On this episode of Breaking Ring Rust, we're talking Mania Week, the results and the releases. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Ring Rust, a pro wrestling podcast by Jeek Nation. I am your host, Rockin' Mr. Magic, and joining me is my tag team partner, the Cold Heart JT. What's up, Matt? What's going on, my friend? Glad to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. And folks, before we start the show, I'm going to ask you listeners to do us a favor. It's still April, and Podchaser.com is still running their April promo. So we're going to ask you to take a couple minutes out of your day, go to Podchaser.com, search for Breaking Ring Rust, and leave us a review. And every review that you leave, 25 cents is donated to Meals on Wheels. We will respond. We are committed to responding to every review left, and that will double the donation to Meals on Wheels. So help us, help others. Leave a review of Breaking Ring Rust or the original Jig podcast by Jig Nation, and we will reply, and we appreciate your feedback. So today we're talking about Mania, WrestleMania, and the Aftermath. So we're going to introduce aftermath. a... Aftermath. Aftermath, Dr. Dre style. Uh, we're going to introduce a new ranking system here at Breaking Ring Rust. So all of our rankings are we're, not, we're going to be zero to five rusted rings, zero being absolute worst, five being the best. And if both of us give a a five ring rusted ring rating, it will get a exemplary. So that's let's not happening on this show. So let's start with. Uh, WrestleMania night one of night one cold heart. What do you rank it? Zero to five rusted rings. Night one itself. Night one by itself. Looking back at what everything happened on night one. So re so night one recap was Lashley McIntyre banks, Bel Air. New Day, AJ, and almost Shane and Braun, Bad Bunny, and Priest versus two and a half. Two and a half? Yes. For night one. Two and a half. Okay. I give I give night one. I'm gonna give night one four. There, the the matches you, you that watched were, a different night one than I did. Yeah, I I I, I just have a, a different perspective on that uh, than you do. Um, but I I give night I give night one a four. The the women's tag team um, discombobulation um, keeps me from from giving it a, a five. 
It's called tag team turmoil. I know what it's called. It, it, the turmoil is just in, in having it. But Well, turmoil told you it was going to be crap. This is true. I, I should have taken them at their word. Has there ever been one of these matches that you look back on and go, man, that was epic? No, no, there hasn't been. Not a single one. That that alone should should tell me it's not going to go well. And I have notes for night one and most of night two. At some point, I got tired of it and just lost interest. So, well, um, let's hear now. Let's let's talk. Let's talk individual matches. Which were your top three matches of night one? Drew and Bobby. I think that was the best match of night one. Okay, I I agree with that. What? What were your takeaways from Drew and Bobby? Oh, I've got a bunch. I was going to do this in order, but you're throwing me off here. Ah, I got to keep you on your toes. Let's see. So, uh, my my speculations were some of this is just my musings during the middle of it or prior to it. And I said, if Drew wins, will they protect the hurt lock? That was my big question going in. Because mm. we had both picked Drew to win. I wondered, would they protect the Hurt Lock or have him be the first guy to break it? Um, I liked that they mixed in some MMA-type stuff, given Bobby Lashley's background. Yes. I noticed McIntyre's belly-to-belly is getting better in that he's actually locking his arms around the guy and throwing him instead of getting underneath him and kind of tossing him. He's kind of shoving, yeah. Yeah. Um, the... There was a part where they did a super kick and it reversal, and it looked really kind of bad. Mm-hmm. But I liked it because it made it look real, or it made it look uh, more realistic, like there was an actual struggle going on rather than that smooth, crisp transition. Yeah. Because okay. Anyone who's ever actually tried to wrestle knows it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, I thought Lashley's uh, triple rolling future shock was cool. The, oh, that you mean when McIntyre hit those trip? Yeah, the three rolling the future shock DDTs in a row. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed because I haven't seen him do this in a long time. Seeing uh, Drew do the co- tope con hilo, mm-hmm. that impressed me because I haven't. I didn't know if he was still doing that. Uh, he hasn't done it. I don't think that was the first time he's done it in WWE. Yeah. Probably since NXT. Like, it's been a while. I don't remember him doing NXT. I know he did it in the UK, but I don't remember him doing it in NXT either. I could be wrong, though. It wouldn't be the first time. My predictions prove that. Uh, yeah, both of our predictions, especially for night two, were, were terrible. So Yeah. Um, let's see. I like that they did, the when they did the Kimura, the roll into the Kimura, it, again, that looked rough. Mm-hmm. realistic it looked more like mma you know because the only person who ever pulled off a smooth kimura in mma was frank Mir. yeah that's true when he broke Nogueira's arm um and um let's see i i said i didn't see lashley uh retaining the title and for the record neither did the betting odds after we did our predictions, I went back and I looked at like what different betting sites were betting on, mm-hmm. and Drew was the, the favorite by a long shot for betting odds. 
Drew was definitely favored by most of everybody. Like even those people like me who didn't want Drew to win, most people were calling Drew to win. Yeah. So I mean, at the same time, is Drew going to pick up the title again at WrestleMania Backlash? Maybe. Let me let me let me ask you this: What did you think about the finish? Because the finish was kind of it was kind of it was kind of weird to me. You know, the, the finish was something I had to watch twice to kind of catch what happened. Drew setting up for the Claymore. When he starts to run out, MVP starts shouting. He distracts Drew. He kind of takes his eye off Lashley for a second, then goes for it and misses. And then Lashley slaps on the hurt lock for the finish. Um, I, I thought it kind of made Drew look dumb. Because he wasn't even shouting at Drew, or he didn't grab his leg or anything like that. He's yelling at Bobby Lashley, telling him to move. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the intention behind it was make it somewhat less than clean as a win. Uh, but I don't think it actually did Drew any favors. And then Max well, comes out the night, the next night, and basically says, "I was, I was stupid." Yeah, it it didn't, and it didn't mar the victory. Like after after it happened, everyone goes, "Bobby won clean." No, no one considered it to be you know a tainted or a a, a heel win. Because um, I mean, and granted, MVP didn't do much different than any other manager does uh, during a match. So, but to the, me, the biggest part that was odd was after Bobby puts the hurt lock on. And Drew goes over to the corner to push himself backwards to try to force Bobby off. That that part would be was the part that was like that's just dumb because his hand was right there to grab the rope. Yeah. Like, why would you not grab the ropes? Why would you try to kick yourself off? Like that didn't make any sense. Or wrap your long legs around the foot ropes. Right, and technically, like, and wouldn't him getting his foot. I mean, if he was on the ground, getting his foot underneath the rope is a rope break itself. So, like, you got you there usually to the corner, you put your foot on the rope. That. Isn't that usually, technically a rope break? Yeah. Usually you'd have to – I mean, here's the thing WWE does with rope breaks. Like, you could say, oh, once Drew touched the ropes, they should have broke it. And you'd be right, but not in WWE. Because we've seen plenty of times where somebody grabbed the rope and then the person applying the submission hold pulled them away and the ref let it still keep going. Yeah. So, according to the rules of wrestling, yes, but not the rules of WWE. Okay. We're missing out on my pre-show notes and my and my opening segment notes by doing it this way, by the way. Hey, you gotta keep you on your toes. But I got notes. Got <laughs> got to keep you got to keep you nimble here. Okay. Um, the surprise of the night for me mm-hmm. was the Bad Bunny, Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison match. Why was that a surprise for you? We both picked Bad Bunny to go over. Uh, because I didn't expect Bad Bunny to perform that well. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody did. Like, it was... But this, we've seen professional athletes do worse in the ring. Yeah, but mo- keep in mind, too, those are guys who were professional athletes that are retired 
whose bodies are broken down and beaten down from years of playing sports. You know, I mean, Bad Bunny's a young guy who doesn't have a wealth of physical abuse on his body like LT or Shaquille O'Neal. True. But I, I would assume that they... I mean, it wasn't you know, like Lawrence Taylor was exactly nimble in his match with Bam Bam. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah. And, they, and they pulled out all stops. Like, I, when they had him doing everything, and when they had him do the Canadian Destroyer, I was like, wow, they are just... That looked bad. Th- that, that looked bad. They're letting, they're letting him do everything. And, I'm, and that... That was a cr- that was crazy. I didn't think uh, Morrison would trust a a pop star to Morrison to do didn't that. Morrison trust a pop star to do that. Morrison. That's why it looked bad because Morrison did it himself. That's one of the notes I had here was that the Canadian Destroyer was bad because to me it looked less like a Canadian Destroyer and more like Morrison did a backflip with back bun- Bad Bunny on his back. I mean, he, he had he, there's trust there because he was he was involved in it. Like he had to trust him. How much control he had was probably low. Um, but that that's not a move I'm taking. You know, with a guy in his first time. That's just, that's that's wild to I, me. I'm just glad that move wasn't around when me and Franchise were wrestling each other because I know as much he liked the pile driver, he would have been trying to do that all the time. Both of y'all would have broken each other's necks? Probably. You know. My neck would be in even worse shape than it is now, we'll put it that way. Give me your thoughts on uh, Styles and Almost against the New Day. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed this match uh, because of just what was going on in the ring. And I don't mean the wrestling. Uh there was a point where they've cut AJ off in the ring mm-hmm. and he can't tag almost. And I believe it was Xavier says, we are effectively cutting off the ring. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is great because they're telling him what he's doing. And yes. Just, and you know what a huge new day fan I am. Oh yeah. So like, to me, that was, like, some good stuff from them to bring the comedy in in the middle of a serious match. And it wasn't it wasn't silly funny. You know, that's what people don't realize is you can be funny in wrestling. It's just not the silly funny that, that, that should be done. Well, the New Day have a good blend of silly funny with... Well, well they do the silly before the match. Okay, you know yeah. they don't they don't stuff pancakes down people's throat in the middle of the match. No, no, they they save the pancakes for before or after. Right. So, but during the match, it was just funny to see, um, almost looked like a monster. But I mean, what did he really do in the match? Oh, he didn't do much. But yeah. I, I I figured the plan was to protect him as much as he could. Right. But he looked like a monster and. That's because he is. Yeah. He just is a monster. Yeah. I, what, what, you know, AJ Styles, I've stood side by side with him, and he's my hype. And the idea of when he you know, did his sign and held his hand over his head and almost whole head was still over him. 
Right. I was like, that's a big, big dude. Almost has a huge head to begin with. He's he's just massive. And they their match gave me like Jericho vibes if Show was a was a rookie. Mm-hmm. Like and he he I mean he showed some of his you know some of his athleticism, um, you know, doing the the, the corner spots and showing that he's he's got some quickness, he's got some mobility to him. And the New Day did, as always, you know, a fantastic job. And they they sold, you know, the heck out of his his moves for him. And he he definitely looked just insanely imposing. Yeah, this was probably my third favorite match of the night. Um, it was tough to pick, but it was probably my third favorite match of the night. And that that's that's fair. I would uh. I would agree with I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Cesaro and Rollins. That was number two for me. Okay. Um, I thought that was, as far as a technical match, the best match on the whole card. I, mean, I don't think that can actually be disputed. I um, I don't see why it would be. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to see Cesaro not only have his first singles match, but his first singles victory. At WrestleMania, um, he you know hopefully he gets that uh, push that's been rumored for him after this. That better that needs to be the end goal, yeah. because if not, then what's the point? Well, he just beat a multi-time world champion, so right. you know it would only make sense that he uh, get the that he get a shot at at the tribal chief. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've already covered my top three matches, not necessarily, in, not in order, but we, we've covered them. Nice. Okay. Um, let's see, what do I have uh, on the notes on that? Good story with Cesaro repeatedly going for the swing. Odd that Seth worked on the right arm. Of course, it's traditional in wrestling to work on the left arm and leave the guy's right arm for him to come back on. But Seth worked the right arm. Um, when Seth did that corkscrew splash, that was gorgeous. But the way he did it, and you could see him twist in midair, it looked like like a kid doing it. You know, like you could see him put the effort in there. Some guys, like if Ricochet had done that same move, you wouldn't have seen the twist. Or him forcing the twist, rather. Mm-hmm. He would have just jumped out, spun naturally, and landed. But you saw Seth like shift his weight and his arms to spin himself around. Yes. Uh, and I was like, that's kind of cool because it looks like a kid did it. You know. Um, uh, something I really hate, and I talked about it, is I hate guys kicking out of each other's finishers. Because Seth kicked out of the the neutralizer uh you know a finish should be a kill shot and that should be it you know you shouldn't be in a mid-card match kicking out of somebody's finisher um, yeah and the, the, the neutralizer neuralizer whatever it's called it just it just looks so weak to me i mean how is it any weaker than the pedigree or you know even a pile driver it just it looks so the pedigree looks 
high impact depending on who's doing it. Like the pedigree when Seth does it doesn't look nearly as devastating as it does when Triple H did it. Um, Everybody writing this day down, Matt just gave Triple H a compliment. You act like I don't give Triple H compliments. I've never heard you do that. You've never what? How have you never heard me compliment Triple H? Friendship. I've never heard you compliment Triple H. Sean Michaels, yes, but not Triple H. I'm a click mark. What are you talking about? I'm just saying I never heard it. Didn't say you never did it. I'm just saying I never heard it. Well, I mean, he is. I mean, I I guess I don't. I don't talk about Hunter probably as much as I should. But I, you know, Triple H, he made that move look devastating. And Especially when Seth does he it, started releasing the arms, right? But sometimes, even when he released the arms, like when he would do it on top of a chair or something, mm-hmm. um, it just the intensity behind it looked great. When Seth does it, he's just doing it. When China did it, it just it looked like huh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when Hunter did it, it looked great. Mm-hmm. So it really, de- I mean, it depends upon the execution. And I just think the way that that move looks with with Cesaro, it's just. It doesn't seem to be high impact enough, just in my personal opinion. Um, I would like to see him have a, a, a different power move. Uh, and so then uh, we've got, this probably one be short notes for you, uh, Strowman and Shane. Strowman and Shane, let's see. Um, could have done without shirtless brawn, you know. Uh we had Lawler on commentary with a bunch of old dad jokes. I thought the match was too competitive, even given the attack before the match. Because Braun's supposed to be a monster. And he did a good job of selling, but he went that whole match. And Shane McMahon dominated that whole match. What they should have done with that match, I was thinking the whole time, was there was a... Uh, are you familiar with the... the angle where Jim Cornette burned Ronnie Garvin? I am not, no. Okay. So, back in 1987, this was, I think, February of 87, Barry Windham and Ron Garvin were the U.S. tag champs. And and the Condry Eaton Express version of the Midnight Express were challenging them for the titles in Charlotte at the old Coliseum now Bojangles Arena. And at Towards the, fi- the finish of the match, as Jim Cornette rolls in, pulls something out of his pocket, and he throws a fireball, and it lands in Ronnie Garvin's face. And Garvin's writhing around the ring, and he's burned, and he's hurt. And, uh, they did a big thing where, you know, they carried him out, and they kind of tore down the locker room wall, and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, who was a heel at the time, comes in and says, what happened to my brother, and, you know, all this stuff. And you see heels and faces kind of, you know, co-mingling and being concerned about this burned wrestler, you know. And then Wyndham and Jimmy Garvin throw Ron Garvin in the car and take him to the hospital. So, the payoff to this was that in, I believe, May of 87, they had a cage match between Cornette and Garvin. Uh, Because Cornette had signed a blank contract and it said that if he interfered, he had to face Garvin in the cage. Okay. So he's going to face Ronnie Garvin. So first he comes out with a note saying he can't wrestle. He's got a note from his doctor. And that Stanley, who is now in the Midnight Express, is going to take his place. That doesn't go down. 
you know, automatically when the match starts, Cornet powders him in the face, you know, starts to kind of take control. And in the end of it, Garvin gets control back. It just starts mm-hmm. manhandling Cornet, wraps a towel around his neck, and starts choking him with it. But when he does that, he puts Cornet's shoulders down. You know, he's just getting started with the beating. Mm-hmm. But he's holding him down, choking him, and the referee counts three and ends the match. Mm, they, okay. And so the fans kind of got what they were looking for, but not all of it. So it made you want more out of it. I could have seen them doing something like that with with Shane, where Shane came out and said, oh, I can't wrestle, you know, I got that bum knee, and, you know, I re-injured at training or something like that, and then, you know, Adam Pierce comes out and says, nope, Shane, you got to wrestle, you know, and then have the attack on him. You know, let's not use the Memphis powder, you know. You know, that Johnson Johnson stuff will give you cancer anyway. So, you know, then have Shane dominate, but Braun take control, and Braun, you know, just being too strong for his own good is just like pounding on Shane or got Shane down or choking him or something, you know, and okay. accidentally pins him. Rather than, you The know, goofiness that ensued in this match? Right, because it was way too competitive. Um, I mean, it, it could, should have started out the way it did, but it shouldn't have been that competitive. Now, the one really cool thing in the match was Braun ripping the cage apart. That I thought was cool. When you just I mean, well, uh, the guy has, you know, not you know, pushed over an ambulance before, so ripping a cage apart should be nothing. Yeah, but this thing, it looked like he actually did, you know. It didn't look like he actually pushed over the ambulance. You know, I mean, for that, they had an ambulance. They cut away, and he's got the ambulance over, you know. Yeah. I mean, this looked like he was actually ripping the cage apart. You know, and aside from Kane, we haven't seen anyone do that. When Kane ripped off the door of Hell in the Cell. Hell in the Cell, yeah, the very first one. Yeah. So, um, which is the second best Hell in the Cell, by the way, of all time. Still first for me, but, you know, that's debatable. Uh, for, for me, it was number one. Uh, for a long time, but me for me, number one is, is Brock and Undertaker in Hell in the Cell. Because that is a just, that's a great one. It is so brutal and stiff and gory, and so that one's my favorite. Um, but yeah, Braun and Shane really didn't, you know. I I don't think it should have been what it was in in my last note just because we probably won't get to it but there was a segment with bailey at the very end of it Mm -hmm. and bailey is developing go away heat with me really Mm -hmm. wow i'm why now it it loosened you explain why This, this like i thought she was one of the best heels in wrestling for a solid year yeah and was really great but since she started this whole ding dong hello thing, mm-hmm. it's just annoying. It's not. It doesn't give me heat as far as like I want to see her get beat or I'm going, wow, she's being a great heel. It's just she's being annoying. I mean, she's not Dino Bravo level yet, but she's getting close to X Pac level for me. Wow. Okay. 
You really don't like that segment. <laughs> no, I really don't. And she kept popping up throughout both nights. And I was just like, go away. Go away. Well, I, well, the fans were gl- more glad to see her than Hogan because Hogan got booed every time he said something. Which is amazing because they're in Tampa. And Hogan well, used they, to live there. Yeah. Brother. Um, they were uh, watching the live videos. Um, they were they were booing him. Um, the production team did a great job filtering that out because it was loud. How did you feel about Tyson being, or excuse me, Titus being all buddy buddy with Hogan after? What oh, did? don't. That's a whole other topic. Because um, I know you're a big Titus Mark, like I am. You know, Titus. First of all. The Warrior Award should have gone to Shad Gaspard posthumously. Uh, that that's how they did not honor Shad that way to me makes zero sense. Um, and that's nothing against Titus. And Titus is a good dude who is very consistent in the community, um, helping people, very positive, good man, good father, good leader, somebody you should want your child, your son to grow up to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, very deserving any other year. But this time, this this time was not the time to give that to Titus and giving it to him pretty much because of your location where you were just another Vince move that I'm like, that's just poor taste. Mm-hmm. And then having Terry out there with just more poor taste and, and poor decision making, nobody wanted most people clearly the fan reaction there no one wanted to see hogan out there here was my thing since we're talking about hogan and Tyus. i thought that they were both absolutely silly and ridiculous through both nights they didn't think they added anything to the show no absolutely they had chemistry together uh when they came out dressed like pirates i was just like Oh, that was it so was, bad. It was it was like old, bad WWE where if, if I was watching something with this on there in the 80s, it would have been nostalgic and fun. But this was just embarrassing. Yeah. Like I was like, Titus I went from having a suit, you know, to this ridiculous pirate costume. I, that was horrible. I was embarrassed that I have a Titus shirt. Yeah. It was, it was, that was, to me, like, just, just, if you, you know, if you're, if you're not going, if you're going to waste them that way, Mm -hmm. and Bailey as well, just give them a freaking match. All all the time wasted them hosting that way. Just put them in a match. Mm -hmm. Give them a five minute match, you know, or told me a total of 10 minutes entrance. Give them 10 minutes. That's, that's all you did anyway. Just give them, just give them a match. People would rather see that, especially Bailey having the hot year she had between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. You know, I mean, I, I was shocked that Bailey didn't have a match at Mania. Yeah. Well, when you look at the women's title picture, okay, the two women's titles, or or the, or even say three women's titles last year, mm-hmm. you had Charlotte and Rhea. Bailey and Lacey, 
Becky and Shayna. Right. Of those six, only two were on the show. Of those six, only one was in a world title match. Yeah. And, you know, it just shows how much changes in a year. I mean, obviously, Becky's being a mom. Lacey's about to be a mom again. But Charlotte and Bailey being off the show. Eh. I'd rather see them have a match against each other just over some, you know, toughed up history between the two of them. Right. Or or just or just a number one contendership. And whoever wins gets to pick Well, they're on you know, rings, but yeah. Yeah, but, but but whoever but whoever wins this gets an open contendership title to whoever one they want or something. Something. Something other than something other than nothing. But you know, her appearing and and doing that. Because if you're going to have her being an annoying heel, what's the point of having her being an annoying heel if it doesn't involve a story? And then there was a segment where I made the note. It was Bischoff, Titus, Bailey, and Hogan. I said, well, I like at least one of these people. Yeah. I think I just, I, was, I wasn't even, I saw that. I wasn't even looking. I was like, you know, this is just, this is just a time filler. I would have rather had a commercial, and I hate commercials on pay-per-views. I'd rather have it in the commercial. Yeah. It was. I, I'll i say this. Um, <clears throat> night one held my attention a lot more than night two did, because night two, I ended up going to bed early, shutting it off about the time of the, of the Asuka-Rhea match, and mm. getting up the next morning early and watching it. Wow. So that I wouldn't be spoiled when I read the you know on things online gotcha uh, real quick I got, I got some notes to go through pre-show okay why would I take notes on this I mean seriously why would I take notes on the pre-show I don't know yeah um, I thought it was nice that Vince brought the whole crew out to say thank you to the fans okay I thought you know that's not something they had to do I think it was a nice touch um, I love, love, love BB Rex's rendition of America the Beautiful. That's probably my favorite of all the ones that I've seen so far. Um, the opening video I thought was good, even though they just kind of redid some stuff from last year. Well, Night 2 was the exact same as last year. Yeah. And then they rehashed a bit for Night 1. Yeah. Um... And then, of course, we had the, the lightning delay on the right. first night. And then we had all these, like, just kind of filler interviews that, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they had pre-tapes set for later or they were going to do live interviews later. Um, and they just did them all at once. But that's it, it, it kind of it felt that way. Yeah, but that's my notes on the opening uh, going into the the Bobby uh, Drew match. Oh, you, you don't have notes on how they were wasting time on the pre-show talking about DMX? No, I didn't pay attention. Like, like, like JBL has anything to, of relevance to talk about about DMX or Sam Roberts? I mean, here's the thing. I'll, I'll tell you the truth about the pre-show both nights. I don't know how Peacock works completely. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid that if I didn't turn on the pre-show when it started – 
It, then if I turn it on eight, it would try to show me the pre-show again. Mm, okay. So, um, because Peacock's new and it's got a lot of flaws and a lot of things missing, it's going to have even more missing when it's done. True. But I did. Uh, I did keep the pre-show on just kind of as background noise. Gotcha. Um, the idea of Sam Roberts talking about DMX is kind of funny, though. I, I was just like, really? Sam Roberts and then JBL joined. I'm like, what? What? What, what is going on here? Like, uh, like wh- wh- why is this on the pre-show? Why aren't there any matches on this pre-show? Like, what is the point? I figured partway through, oh, wait, there's not going to be a match on the pre-show because they don't want to show the live crowd until the show goes on. I guess that makes they sense. They that, that banner up in the background blocking off the view of the fans that normally be in their house. Mm-hmm. So, that, I figured that out pretty quickly, and I was like, okay. First night, I kind of watched it and kept it on just because I wanted to see if they had any matches. The second night, it was just to make sure I got the time, the right starting time. Gotcha. Um, trying to see if we missed anything else. The only thing we missed is the women's tag team turmoil, I think. Do you really have notes on the turmoil? Yeah. Is it, I mean, are those notes simply just around Mandy falling? No, I did make a note about that. But, you know, uh, for the first match, which is Naomi and Lana versus Carmella and Billy Kay. Uh, Naomi, great athlete, horrible wrestler. Lana, great-looking, horrible wrestler. And then there was a spot where Lana just completely missed a kick. Yes. Um, and then I said, I wonder if they're going to do anything with Billy, with Billy Kay and Carmella. Well, I guess we know the answer to that. We do know the answer to that. Um, and then we had Carmella and Billy Kay, which I don't get putting them over and making them look like a cohesive team in a match. Uh, if you're going to get rid of one of them a few days later, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and my only note on the right squad versus Carmel and Billy Kay was Liz Morgan is dressed like a slutty Jushin Liger costume. And then I said, I think it's supposed to be Harley Quinn. But my first thought when I saw her was like, it looked like a Halloween if they had a, a women's Jushin Liger costume and it said sexy Liger costume. Sexy Liger. I never thought I would hear that as a phrase, but okay. He's just a sexy Liger. Well, at least we were right about our prediction on that one. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Right Squad versus Mandy and Dana. Mandy falls on the way to the ring. I couldn't really... I had a hard time telling Mandy and Dana apart in this match because they were dressed alike. You couldn't see their faces. Their hair was big and blonde. They both had identical outfits on. Right. Um, they both had sunglasses on. Yeah. The only way I could tell them apart was I think that Mandy was wearing white boots and Dana was wearing pink boots or it was the other way around, but I had to keep looking at their boots to see which one was which. Well, when they got into the ring, it was easier. One, one, one did a pump knee and the other one did the other stuff that didn't look good. Um, and then... Dana completely missed on the swanton she did and put she's terrible. 
Look, as, yeah. as, as bad as I think Naomi is, and I've made clear, and as bad as Lana is, I think Dana Brooke is worse. Yeah, Dana, Dana, the Dana Brooke experiment, and obviously nothing personal to her, but Dana Brooke experiment needs to just change. Let her, maybe let her manage. She was better managing. Like she's just she's not working in the ring. Yeah, my and my only note during the Natalia and Tamina versus the Riot Squad match was, yeah, Liv is supposed to be Harley Quinn. Getting a look at her, which kind of seems stupid because that was like uh, Alexa Bliss's whole gimmick when she first started is that she looks like Margot Robbie and looked like Harley Quinn. Well, pretty much since then, if you're blonde in wrestling, it's uh, a requisite for you to have some Harley Quinn-esque gimmick going on. And for the record, I didn't think Liv Morgan looked sexy in that outfit because I'll always remember what she was doing a few years ago. Oh, just don't bring that back up. Enzo Amore. Still trying to forget it. I will say Tamina almost missed that splash. Um, and that, that looked like it hurt. Yeah. There were a couple things from both nights that Tamina did that looked like it hurt her. Most definitely. Most definitely. All right. Well, let's go to night two. Um, let's start with what's, what's most fresh. Let's, you know, let's start with uh, KO and Sami Zayn. Um, okay, here's my notes. Logan Paul is a doofus. Ben Askren oh, is going to hurt him. I hope. I, I got to give it to Paul, though. Like He has been working very well on his boxing. Um, I, I don't want to root for... I, I, don't, I don't know who I dislike more, Askren or, or Paul, but um, so hopefully a, sufficiently they hurt each other. I'm not a Ben Askren fan by any stretch of the imagination, but Logan Paul is a doofus, and... Um, I kind of want to see him get his mouth shut. I do as well. Just I was talking about that last night. Like I really want to see him just get his world rocked. Yeah. Um, as far as notes on the match, um, you know, had Owens dominate the start. Sammy cuts him off, and they busted out the brain buster on the apron. I couldn't believe they let him do that in WWE. I I just couldn't believe they let him pull that move off, especially on Owens. Yeah. I mean, I know Owens would be the best person to take it, but I could see Vince going, Kevin Owens is a big guy, pal. Sure you can get him up with that? Sure you can protect him on the way down? It was impressive. Um, oh, yeah. Very impressive. And it looked it, devastating. It did. But we got this prediction wrong. We both predicted Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens would win. I should have gone with my gut because I said KO first. And then I listened to you and I was like, you know what? Sammy does need to win more. Uh, and it's mania. He still and maybe, needs to win more. Yeah. And he does need to win more. But obviously Vince doesn't think Sammy needed to win more. Should have gone with my gut because my gut said KO all along. For, you know, at, at the beginning of the night, I was like five out of seven, you know? 
and then this night just shot my work because there's seven matches each night. Yes. And I ended up six out of fourteen total. Right. Um, it was yeah. It was it was it was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly for both of us. Uh, speaking of ugly, to me Shane this night right, riddle. Uh, well, actually, let me um, let me ask you. I forgot to ask you what uh, what you rank night two uh, as a show. Zero to five rings. What what do you, what do you rank night two? Mm. Part of me wants to go higher because of the main event, but at the same time, it didn't keep my attention. So I'm going to give it the same thing: two and a half. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. The action was um, better, but it lost me. So, there's only two times I've ever called it quits early at WrestleMania mm-hmm. this year and the year that it was the last time it was Roman and Brock in the main event. And I've still never seen that main event. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you are. Uh, I'm gonna rank this night a. I'm going to get it. It's tough. You know, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a two. Um, I was thinking three, but I'm going to give it a two. Owens and Zane was as, as we had seen a hundred times between ROH and PWG and NXT and now main roster. They, they just, they work great together. They put on great matches. Um, But the beginning the Fiend and Randy Orton killed my entire vibe for the rest for this night. That just deflated everything. Um, yeah, it, it, here, here's the thing for me with that. It was another case where one guy needed to win, the other guy didn't. Uh, and they also threw away a storyline that's been working pretty well. Um, and, and I'm less intrigued by... Bray and Alexa feuding with each other than I am as them as the the odd couple of WWE. Mm. It just there was nothing it, the entrances were hot and then the match started and it was it was going wasn't wasn't great but it was going and then it hit a brick wall and I mean, everybody I saw across the, you know, Al Gore's internet was just like, what? Why? This is dumb. It was just one big collective just groan of disgust. And then the and then the fans booing it so loudly. They were very displeased. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Yeah. Well, it didn't make sense. Things you can do what you want in wrestling as long as it makes sense. Yes. And it didn't make sense. Yeah, it it made absolutely zero sense. And you know, not to get too much into Raw the next night, but then Bray comes out and he's Bray, not the fiend. And he's not heartbroken, he's not in 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 dismay, he's not you know, oh, I've lost my muse. He's, oh, well, it's back to normal, and we're going to, you know, things are going to carry on, and, you know, just don't talk about it type thing. 
Yeah, it's it's just bad writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's all there is. It's bad writing. Uh, um, let's get Seamus and Riddle out of the way. I was gonna. I was just about to say. You know, let, let's talk about the Charlotte Flair. I mean, Matt Riddle Seamus match. You know, my only note was on the finish because this is the point where I started losing interest. That finish was sick. That finish was botched. Because, you know, my only note was Riddle with a lion saw, Sheamus counters with what they try to sell as a brogue kick. That was not a brogue kick, bro. Looked like a brogue kick to me. Right in his face. Well, he should have either caught him higher, where it would have been more of a broke kick, and less like a light soccer kick. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to he imagine would, the impact, would, the point of impact in my in my head. It but was very low. It got the point across with the fans, though. It was brutal. I disagree. I thought it was weak. I was like, Riddle's supposed to lose that. He barely got his leg up. Uh, it, it, it it looked brutal. Nah. It looked weak. It was, he he barely got his leg up. The whole point of the bro kick is that you're supposed to be able to pull your leg all the way up and kick. And that thrust is what hits, is what's the brutal impact there. And he just kind of lifted his leg and just kind of met Lit Riddle's face with his foot. He didn't really kick him. Go back and watch well, it in slow motion. Um, the whole match. Real real time speed. Uh, I think the uh, I think the IWC disagrees with you on that one. Well, they can. I mean, I watched it in real time speed. And I was like, what was that? Then they showed it in slow motion, and I was like, oh, okay. I, I didn't think they were going to put the belt on Sheamus. That was – that was. Uh, I didn't either. It, I thought they had, you know, a, a thing for Riddle, and they were going to go with him. Um, and so, yeah, that one definitely came out to be a wrong prediction. What were my – I never got my notes on Fiend and Orton. Um I, I thought it was kind of cheesy that they went back to the original Fiend and not the Burn Fiend. They had him, like, magically get hit by a spark and turn into the old Fiend. Right. I was like, that's cheesy. I thought the bit with the Devil's Box was cool. I still hate the red light during his matches. Yeah, I do too. Um, and uh, my final note on I, I I did notes on the finish that, you know, he's about to... Fiend dominates. He appears about to win. Alexa appears out of the box with stuff oozing. You know, uh, RKO the finish. My comment, that was crap. Yeah, I, I concur. All right, let's... Um, Surprisingly, the match I took the most notes on was the women's tag title match. Really? Yeah. Uh, I would figure you had two pages for the uh, Nigerian drum match. No, at that point, I, I didn't even watch it. I was just laying in bed with the TV on and didn't, um, and I was just like, yeah, I, I don't care. Um, 
Nigerian drum match. The only thing about it was, you know, no one had called. I, I saw, like, one online prediction that Apollo would win, and nobody predicted that he was going to have a, a seven-foot, you know, manservant come out and help him. And that they were going to rename Dabokado to General Aziz, I think, is what they're calling him. I don't know, because I only watched the edited version of Raw, and I didn't have to know that happened on there. And that, uh, and I don't know what that, that spike was supposed, the move was supposed to be, but, um, yeah, that was, that was a surprise. I was very surprised that they had Apollo win. Uh, on the women? Apollo's, Apollo's gear looked amazing. I didn't see it. I was laying in bed with the TV on. Flat on my back, not turned toward the TV, not even watching. That match held no interest for me. I sat up and looked when I heard the finish, and that was okay. It. Well, your your most noted match of uh, Jackson Baszler against Tamina and Natty wasn't my most known match, but it's the one I took the most notes on. My first note was I thought Tamina gave away the finish because she had boo boo face when she came out. Um. And there was a nice sequence between Natty and Shayna. There's a huge Tamina chant when she comes in. Yes, there which was. Surprised me. There were two ch- Tamina chants yeah. during that match. Uh, there was a, a body slam duel on the outside, which Nia won, and it, that looked like it, it actually hurt Tamina. It did. Yeah. And then I put Natty plays Ricky Morton as they work the leg and feet of her. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the hot tag Tamina Nia cuts her off with a double cross body where she squashed both women at the same time um, I just felt Tamina looked off that night mm-hmm. first she had boo boo face and she looked like she got hurt and then she just seemed off and she looked uncomfortable and then she air quotes slams Nia but then misses the big splash Talia misses the bland tag and locks Nia in the sharpshooter. Shayna sneaks in and chokes for the finish. And, you know, this was another prediction we got wrong because we thought with all the push they had given them and tease of Shayna and Nia breaking up, that it would be... I I didn't think Shayna and Nia were breaking up, but it definitely looked like they were going to give Natty her, her grand slam and put the belts on her and Tamina. Um, but well, we were wrong. Be a grand slam because she, uh, she hasn't held the raw or the NXT women's title. I thought she had held the raw women's title. Nope. Okay. She's held the divas title and the SmackDown women's title. Gotcha. Yeah. She beat lay cool for the, for the, uh, divas title. She beat Naomi for the, SmackDown Women's SmackDown title. title. Yeah. Okay. So she would need to have the the NXT title uh, or the Raw Women's title to have a Grand Slam. Gotcha. I mean, of course, we know the only person who can hold all the belts is Charlotte Flair. Right. That's, that's, she's the only one that's allowed to. 
then we have the matches you had to catch up on in yeah. uh, Asuka versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. Well, I didn't see Rhea win, although I wanted her to. Um, so I was happy I was wrong about that prediction. Um, at the same time, I'm not happy that they're kind of squandering Asuka again. Because that's what it felt like to me was that once again they're they're wasting Oscar. It seems to be their their mo, yeah. especially at Mania. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Rhea looked great in her match, um, and you know she looked like she deserved the title, and uh, that you know for me uh, said a lot, but there was a lot of spots and stuff that were kind of off in that match. They looked like they were off working with each other, and I think it's their first time working together, so that might make sense. Yeah, there, there were some, some tough transitional spots there. Um, I like Rhea. I'm a, I'm, you know, I, I love Asuka. I just, I didn't think, I don't think it was, it was the right time to put the belt on Rhea. Um, but, you know, that's their, that's their decision. I feel that they are squandering Asuka. And I think it would be better for Rhea to, you know, to, to fail at first and have a tougher road to Some, reaching the mountaintop. Some would argue she had her failing moment when she lost to Charlotte at last year's Mania. But she, she, but she, I don't know, she dropped, see, she dropped the title to her. It's like she wasn't climbing that that mountain she was she was being taken off of that one i don't think Rhea should have won but i don't think she should have lost either if she had done something brutal kind of put oscar away and was then still kind of going after her and the referee's going oh come on stop let you know just pin her be, be done with it or something like that you know and then she shoved the referee or gave the referee the riptide because you can't tell me she couldn't pull that off oh she, she definitely could then you know, where, okay, Oscar wins, she's got the disqualification, but Leah didn't really, Rhea didn't really lose. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was interesting. Interesting the way, decision they made, and um, interesting way they got her into, they got to the riptide. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was the better of the two women's title matches. And then we just have the final match, mm-hmm. the triple threat, Daniel Bryan, Edge, and the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Yeah, that one I got right, but I didn't be right. That was what put... Uh, ended our tie because we tied on predictions when Rhea won because you predicted Rhea would win. Right. Um, that has tied. Uh, and then going into that, we were tied, and I said, well, if Edge wins, then we both tie because you had Daniel Bryan and I had Reigns. You had Roman, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to be win- right because – to me, WrestleMania is supposed to be about those feel-good moments, you know? Like, when I think about feel-good moments, I think about Benoit and Guerrero at the end of WrestleMania 20. Mm-hmm. 
hugging with confetti coming down and each has the belt on their shoulder. You know, I think about, uh, you know, guys who overcame and became world champion and, you know, beat their adversary, so to speak. Um, and I thought that Edge winning another title on the anniversary of his retirement could tell a good story, even though he's kind of a tweener. Um, I thought Daniel Bryan winning a title, you know, when he's at what he says is the end of his career, you know, could have been another feel-good moment. Um, and I don't think either guy, you know, and I said this in my predictions, I don't think either guy would need to hold the belt for long, but just to have that WrestleMania moment. Uh, because that's what people are going to remember. But instead, both guys got laid out and beat simultaneously by Roman Reigns. And while that makes Reigns look good, uh, it doesn't really leave him with a challenger that people see as being world champion level. Well, right now it looks like Cesaro is next up and maybe Big E. Right, and I think eventually it's going to be Big E taking the belt off of him. And I hope it is, because obviously I'm a huge New Day fan. And, you know, to me, Big E's still part of the New Day. Yeah. Oh, he, I mean, he he did the in- intro for them night one. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't know. It, like I said, I, I made the prediction that was my gut prediction. And don't get me wrong. You know I like Roman Reigns, especially since he turned heel. But I just thought for it being WrestleMania to have that feel-good story, you know, where they could tell, oh, Daniel Bryan won, it's a feel-good moment, or Edge won, and it was the anniversary of his forced retirement, and, you know, you could do a, a, a WWE Chronicle or something about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Would have made more sense. Than Roman laying out two guys and beating him by himself. Well, he didn't do it by himself. Jey Uso helped a lot. I mean, I I was predicting for the moment as well. So, um, but my preference was for Roman to win. So, I mean, I, I was happy with that. I did That's not foresee you the double like pin. Brian or Edge. <laughs> I mean, even if I even if I liked whoever he was, like I, I'm really enjoying where Roman's story is going. So, him going over would, would have been my preference anyway. But, um. I didn't see the double pin thing coming and uh, you know, they continued to, you know, to, to build on the, the J and Uso interference and the, the match, the match went pretty well. Everybody looked, everybody looked good. Um, Edge's gear was fire. I had given props for that white gear. Um, unfortunately though, I was upset because you know, the thing I liked the most about Edge being his entrance his music was like turned down. It wasn't as loud as it normally is. So I was like, wow, like I'm going to hamper one of the coolest things about this guy is it being his entrance with the music. That was, that was whack. Um, but the, they, they, they did, they, they performed well and 
the result, while I was happy with it, um, was was not expected. And I'm I'm hoping they go somewhere with this. Um, you know, Roman put Edge on top of Daniel Bryan, so um, so Edge quote unquote pinned Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the tweets, but someone tweeted that at uh, Charles Robinson, and Robinson was like, you know, um, Edge's shoulders were were down. Roman covered them both. He had command. He had control. So that's my decision and it's my call. And then Adam Pierce replied to Charles's tweet and said, Charles, come see me in my office. Hmm. So that would be interesting if they go somewhere with that. I don't know if they will. Cause I don't, I don't personally think that was part of the, the, the plan story-wise, but it would be really cool if something comes out of it. Yeah. And there was, a, and there's an argument for that to be made because there was uh, at Bash at the Beach in 1995, one of the Nasty Boys went for a pin in a triple threat match, uh, but a member of Harlem Heat was between him and I think Bobby Eaton, and Harlem Heat won because they were the one who was actually, even though covering. they controlled, they were the one who was actually covering. But I, 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 I was down yet because they haven't posted the edited version on Hulu yet. So I'll have more feedback on that once I actually watch SmackDown. Yeah, no worries. But what we're going to go into from the highs of Mania to the dark day that happens after every WrestleMania, and that is release day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this release day has already occurred, and we have its casualties from this year. So, Cold Heart, I'm going to give you some names. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to tell me where you would like to see these people uh, potentially wind up. Mm-hmm. First with the one that upset me the most, and that is Samoa Joe. Yeah, that's the one that upset me the most, too. Um, I felt like Joe had a lot left to give the company, and they didn't get nearly as much out of him as they could have. Um I felt like even if they didn't want him to wrestle, they should have kept him as a broadcaster because I thought he excelled at that job. Yes. And so I just didn't see why you wouldn't keep him as a wrestler or uh, an announcer. I just couldn't see it. Um, that was the There were two that really hurt uh, for me, and Joe was, was one of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would you like to see Joe end up? NWA. I think a Joe Aldis match for the title would be great. Okay. Um, obviously, I know who the number two hurt for you, so Peyton Royce. You know, that one really hurt because she's another person I don't think they got everything out of. I think she's shown just a glimmer of what she could do. They, they didn't let her be who she was in NXT, which is always the problem when someone gets called up to the main roster. At least when that person doesn't excel, I should say. Okay. And, you know, she cut a fiery promo and got a match with Asuka. And a lot of people that I've talked to felt like that was, you know, might have been the best women's match of this year. Um, and so to kind of give her that and then cut her loose, um, you know, it. It didn't make any sense in in my book. And her former tag team partner, Billy. Oh, I'm sorry. Where would you like to see Peyton go? Where would you like to see Peyton Royce end up? 
I would like to see her end up in AEW. Uh, if Kenny Omega stops booking women. Because okay. she's not a Japanese schoolgirl, so he won't have a fetish for her. Unless he has a fetish for Australians. Oh, that's that's possible. Um, and then Billy uh, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce's tag team partner, was also former tag team partner, was also released. Uh, where would you like to see Billy end up? TNA or in AEW with Peyton, but I'd like to see Peyton as a single star. Okay. I I mean I, I could see that. I personally would probably, I don't know. Uh, TNA, I mean, Impact would be, be a possibility. Um, obviously, AEW makes sense because Royce's husband is there. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think she ends up there just because they like having women who can wrestle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait a minute. Speaking of which, uh, I've thought of a third one that hurt too. Never mind. I, I think Impact will Impact or AEW would probably use her the best. If she's trying to, if she wants to be like a, in the top spot, then I would say she and Billy probably should go to Ring of Honor together because they would immediately be top names on that female roster. Mm-hmm. But um, any any of those places would, would, I think, would work well for them. And I think Billy could, they could, Peyton could mostly have a singles career while. Kind of doing, kind of doing what uh, a you know a beautiful people type of. Uh, well, I was just thinking gimmick. You know, it, I wouldn't mind seeing that feud. The only question is, who would be the faces? Right. You know, the Iconics versus Velvet, and uh, um, I forget her name on the on the on the. Uh, on TNA, but you know, Angel Madison Williams. Rain. No, Angel Williams and Lana May. Velvet oh, Sky um, and uh, um, Angelina Love. Yeah, Angelina Love. Sorry, I I could only remember her real name. It's okay. Um, the two of them against the Iconics, um, because I still use them in like my video games as as a, a strong women's tag team. And whether they go single or, or tag team again, whoever if they, if you can get both of them, you've got a team. Which which is which is why like even though you know I'm not a, a fan of theirs, it makes no sense to me to release them because you have a tag team division of women where most of your tag teams are not established teams. Well, They're still the begs, best and most established team you had. It begs the question of why they split them up in the first place. Exactly, just to throw Peyton in a tag team with. Lacey um, Evans with Lacey Evans, Evans, which was just stupid, and have Billy Kay become a comedy character, and walking around with her resume, which really just seems like a, a a massive rib, and a cruel one to begin with. Uh, next, um, Chelsea Green. Where would you like to see Chelsea Green end up? Um. I, that's the third one that hurt. Uh, I I, I kind of don't want to see her go back to Impact because she already had a run there, although her run there was great. 
It was. Mm. And, but, so, you know, I don't think Ring of Honor would be enough exposure for, so I'd say AEW. I think if AEW signed the Iconics and Chelsea Green, then they've got a formidable trio, whether they're together or not. I like that thought. Okay. Um, Mickey James, my guess is that you would prefer to see her in NWA with her husband. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tucker, where do you think Tucker should end up? Unemployment line. Oh, that's just mean. He, he, um, I just have never been impressed by him. He's just never done anything for me. I would like to see Tucker either like in um, a place where he could get a legit, get a shot to, to prove himself more. So somewhere like, like MLW or ring of honor where he can rely on his athleticism more. And I, cause he's not a character. He, you know, he's kind of a boring guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can try to get over with his in-ring work while working on the, the you know, his, his presentation. The only way I see him getting over is with a Cactus Jack or Bruiser Brody type character. That's what he looks like. Um, it'll be hard. He'd have to change his look a lot to get over as something else. Next, we've got, uh, let's talk about Bo Dallas. Where do you think Bo Dallas should end up? Um, I think if I'm Bo, I go away and learn a new home and try to come back to WWE. He's the one I think that would just stick around because he's the one more, most likely, in my opinion, to be, to be, call back in a month or two yeah I mean he could go and you know take some time off I would say hit the gym but he's already in great shape cut the hair shave the beard uh, and come back looking different get some different gear, have a new move to use. Um, and, you know, if the independents were up and running, I mean, I know there are some, I'd say spend a year there and then try to come back to WWE, but don't burn any bridges by going to AEW. Okay. Uh, Callisto. Um, never been a big Callisto fan. I mean, I respect what he can do. I was very surprised by his release because he was one of those guys I just thought they'd always keep around mm-hmm. uh, to have someone who could do what he does. Um, if I'm him, I go back to Mexico. I was thinking Mexico or New Japan would be the best fit for him. Um, Mojo Rawley. Um, if I never saw Mojo in a wrestling ring anywhere, I would not be hurt. 
He's the one where I'm like, you know, I just don't see it. At the same time, I could also see them hiring him back at some point. Really? Because I I just, I can't envision. And, you know, it's not like he was setting the world on fire or a great talent or some underrated hero. Yeah, he's, I, I don't He's he's my biggest question. Like I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he he has a fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I just don't see it. And last name Wesley Blake. Who I had to look up because I was like Wesley Blake. Like I know the name, but like why am I not drawing the face? Tag team partner. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that I don't think they ever got the potential out of him. At the same time. Even if they got all the potential out of them there is, would it be enough? That's a good question. Um, could they have used him better? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't have minded seeing him um, come in as Rollins' new disciple or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have a feud with him and Murphy because guys who team together can usually have pretty good matches against each other. Um, and just seen them do something with him, but, you know, with, like, the Forgotten Sons and stuff like that, it just, you know, it seemed, you know, not that good. I can't disagree with that, because uh, that definitely seems to be what we, we saw unfold. Well, we hope for the best for all these people who have been featured endeavored by the WWE and hope that they land in places that will make them happy, whether it is still within wrestling or whether they go on to uh, to something else that adds value and happiness to their lives. Well, I got a couple quick hits here for you. Really, really quick ones. First of all, from uh, from Raw. Not sure if you saw this, but um, why did they have Charlotte Flair looking like Matt Riddle? See, I didn't. I saw you you make a note about that, but I didn't think she did. I thought she looked good for Charlotte. There's a. I was sending you. There's a picture of her, and she's is from behind, and I it, and she her and her shoes are off, mm-hmm. and then I thought it was Matt Riddle. At first, I didn't realize it was her, and then I was like, "Wait, oh snap! That that shot like it, the way she's standing, her arms out like it looked like Riddle." Um, I was like, "Wow, that's not a very flattering angle for for Ashley." Um, was it smart to uh, have Triple H for Triple H to have Bianca and Rhea on NXT uh, showcasing their titles? it gave a chance to show them off in one more place and it also kind of says look what can happen when you come through NXT and and, and you make it there that was my thought too mm-hmm. um, JT your favorite show AEW Dynamite netted 1.2 million viewers for a .44 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic what are your thoughts on AEW hitting a million 
it's good for the business. I mean, I wish their product was more wrestling oriented, but it, that's good for the business. That they, you have this type of kind of competition. I agree. It's good for the business, and obviously, the only reason they hit those numbers is because NXT moved their night. But it's good for the business because I think more people who want to see competition um, aren't trying to do the you know night a night war is whether it's Wednesday night war or a new Monday night war like they don't want to have to try to switch back and forth. They would rather see it on different nights and then decide which they like more. Um, the competing night thing I think is 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 over. And last quick hit, Skip Sheffield, also known as Ryback, took to Twitter asking fans if they want to to poll if they want to see him in either AEW, Impact, NXT, or retire. 44% of those respondent said retire. Your thoughts on what Skip Sheffield should do next? Especially when I read the part about he's talking about having five vertebrae fused. Well, he no, he said he said his disc regrew. So discs don't regrow. Well, again, that's what Skip said. Skip is Skip is Skip. Well, Skip is a medical genius, obviously. <laughs> yeah, Skip said his his five discs, five of them, regrew. So, you know, I know I don't want to see Skip. So when I saw this tweet going around, I made sure to add to that 44% uh, who said retire because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need any more Ryback in my life. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. All right. Last section. I, we missed this last time uh, because JT ended the show. Uh, with his heartfelt tribute to his friend. So uh, I'm going to end this episode by asking him to do some fancy booking for us. And I didn't think I was going to have to get the chance to ask him this because I thought Bobby Lashley was going to lose. But Bobby Lashley won, and the Almighty Era continues. So book me a title defense for the Almighty WWE Champion Bobby Lashley. Against anybody. This is our, this is our fantasy booking against anybody. Anybody at any time. Okay. Um, I don't know that it would be a great match, but I'd like to see him and Big E go at it. Okay. Like I said, I don't know that it would be a match of the year um, because it's just two big powerhouse guys. Right. Um, but... Uh, I would like to see Big E get the opportunity, and I think it would be hard to slap the hurt lock on those traps. Yeah, he's got some. He's got some thick traps. Yeah. Also, as strong as as big as Big E's chest is, and John Cena has said that Big E's the only one who can hang in the gym with him. You know, if he just flexed a little bit while he was in the hurt lock, assuming Bobby could get it on him, he'd rip free. If it was a shoot. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Lashley and Big E. I think I would like that. Definitely high impact. Definitely powerhouse move for powerhouse move. Who who would go over in this match, you think? Well, if you're booking and WB's booking, then probably Bobby Lashley. If I'm booking, then Big E wins. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. I even know how it happens. Breaks the hurt lock. Bobby's can kind of discombobulated for a second, but he kicks him, goes for the dominator, picks him up. Big E drops down behind, hits the big inning, running splash, one, two, three. Nice. All right. Thank you for that. Well, that is going to be it for this episode of Breaking Ring Rust. I am your host, Rockin' Mr. Magic, and I want to thank you for listening. But we could not do this show possibly without you, Jeeks, who continue to support us. So please continue to press play, as well as rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. Again, please consider going to podchaser.com and helping Meals on Wheels by leaving us a review. We also appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you can leave a review. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and more. And if you can't find us, let us know at jeeknation at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at jeeknation. And until next time, get yourself over, Marks. Oh, no! Oh!